thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, our Lord. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Savior. Thank you. Thank you, Father in heaven. Thank you, Father in heaven. For every good and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights. There is no variableness, no shadow of turn. You will never turn. You never turn away. You never turn away from your resolve, from your ways, from your paths, our Father. We thank you. We worship you. We give you praise. But I pray, help every heart, help our hearts, Lord, to, to perceive your holiness and your separation as we come to fellowship again tonight with joy, Lord, in the spirit where you have prepared the table before us. Thank you that you will also quicken us. You will also enable us. You will also equip our depth, our soul, Lord, to feed, to feast upon your life Oh God, thank you today. Bring utterance, bring grace, wisdom, 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 wisdom of the Spirit, wisdom of the Spirit. Thank you. Let it be available to, to bless our soul and every heart. I pray, Lord, heal every handicap nature, nature of a handicap in the realm and the things of the Spirit, handicap in holding on to thought and journeying in thought. I pray, oh God, come and bring quickening to everyone, oh God, to understand. Lord, I help, ask, help my heart, Lord, to find your word today. Teach our heart how to connect with you. Teach every heart how to, to, to be free from idolatry of anything, any image that is not you, anything that stands in your place, oh God, which only serves the purpose of distracting from you. I pray, oh Father, heal our hearts, oh God, that, and help that the ministry of your word will just paint your, your picture purely so that all will see, that all will see the Son of God, and will see him and will come into his light, into his life. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory and all the praise to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Please, you can have your seat. <coughs> Glory to God. Can anyone remember the message from last Wednesday? That message, there was something about that message. I felt it wasn't really, um, it wasn't complete, it wasn't, we didn't finish the message. So I don't know if anyone can remember what we spoke about on Wednesday. Who's that? Okay, sir. Uh -huh.
said love. Hallelujah. Okay. Yeah, the message was about love. About love. Praise God. Thank you. Oh, I thought you would expound more. But if you remember any details from the cardinal, cardinal rule, basically, and we talked about like. It's washing away the old man, basically, and giving birth to yes. someone new. Yes. Praise God. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. So those of us who forget the, forgot the message entirely, now you should be coming back now once more to you. So maybe any? Okay. Sorry, Pastor. Just I would I would try. So um, the um, God help us to see from um, I think we entered Matthew Romans, or we're talking about the two types of love. There was the great um, the the first and what uh, you by the help of the Spirit were able to see that there was the the first one first type of love and the second one and then we're able to see that that love um, the second one now we should just leave the first one because if you've not I'm sorry that I'm saying this this way but um, (laughs) what I could understand from what you were saying um, was that without the first one without the first dimension of of love we can't we can't translate into the the, or the greater one, which is with all. So the first one is is um, we saw. Um, I saw that um, that one looked more like charity and um, Christ conversation. So the first, um, um, I mean, this the from looking from man up, the the first thing that was given to us was that we saw that the, um, f- the first things we have to do is love. I think the conversation opened from what we owe man. I think that was where the um, conversation began to build from. So what we owe ourselves. So from after we have done that, and I think a scripture that in a way was making sense as you were speaking was seeing that we've passed from death on things that we've loved. So we started, I started seeing, I don't say, I don't know if I'm doing the fine job, sir, but I started seeing that, um, um, and that was one, one emphasis, but I, I, some of the underlying conversations that were there that we saw was that this was hidden inside the, inside the commandments, that there is, um, I think we also speak about, um, speak, spoke about, I'm, please, I don't know if I'm correct, sir, but I'm trying. Um, you mean the English or, you, or the or you're saying? Both, both of them. We started understanding that um, there are deeper matters of the law, and we started seeing that through the help, there, there are certain men that through, that found help to not just 
see the laws as just commandments. They were able to travel into receiving. That's why Jesus could say things about it is, it is fulfilled in this. So um, I think so I'm still trying to resolve that thought, but I think we're talking about commandment and the law itself that they were able to fetch into the real, the real conversation. So for people that didn't have that measure of entrance, the law was their bus stop. They could not really figure out what those, those separations. So what we could also see from, deduce from that is that with great help of the Spirit, people are able to divide what is the real intention behind God concerning setting dispensation. So I think this is just the icebreaker, just to thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Amen. Praise God. Okay, please give my wife. I trust my wife, so she won't ah, help us Daddy. cut time short. <laughs> Praise God. I, I told you this message was awesome when I got home because this <laughs> message was great. Praise God. Um, okay, I'll, ju- I'll try to do a very quick summary because there's no way I can possibly cover everything. But you started talking about, I think the first thing you talked about was, um, you know, the two commandments being love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then you were saying how, <coughs> excuse me, this thing has been stuck in my throat all day. Um, how all the law and prophets hang on this. So you were talking about commandment. And you were saying that commandment is given to a specific kind of person. Now, before Adam fell, he was made in the image and likeness of God. One thing you try to make us see is that every image is after a likeness. So you, the, the image is kind of like a shape or a shadow, and then it pursues the likeness of what image it's carrying. Now, after man fell, he, he, got, he became old. And one thing you explained to, explain to us is that oldness is from the devil, that mm. old serpent, which is the devil. And so now, man in his fallen state, because when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, he didn't need external commandments because those things were inside him. But now that you have the old man, that fallen nature, he needs a type of commandment. That commandment external, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Now, when man's spirit is raised, uh, you are born again. You, you, now you have a type of image, right? And then you should be pursuing after the likeness of Christ and eventually God. Um, there's a lot of things that you said, but this, this, I'm saying the things that struck me the most. Mm. You said that it takes power to create image, right? And then you said that um, something about Jesus Christ being after the power of an endless life that is a kind of commandment to that type of man. But where I resolved it really, really, because this was the thing that actually I needed last week, is that you said, when you come down to it, what is a kind of power that is at work in us for the image that we have? For example, and one of the things you talked about was contentment, because you were talking about how you can have an image or form, but lacking the power thereof, so you will be continually learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth, which also means you will never come into the likeness of God. But one power tool, for example, contentment with godliness is great gain because Mm -hmm. then you will be transformed into the image and then so um the the two commandments you said they were split into two Uh, ones that concern god then the other ones that concern your neighbor maybe that's where you're going to finish tonight but 
that's what I got Thank you. from the message. Amen. Please, can we appreciate her for me, please? Please, everybody, because need, nobody answered me apart from any. So I need more, please. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, honey. Thank you so much. Every message I preach, my wife can tell me from beginning to end of every single message. That, and she always does that every time. So it means that she, she's, you know, um, she's really, she's really in, in the school. Amen. Praise God. The Lord will give us grace to, because we have to be keeping, re retaining things. If you don't retain, it's hard to build on. Um, if you didn't listen well last week, this week might be a bit challenging to retain because some of the things might fit into some of the things that were said before. Praise God. The Lord will give us grace. You know, this is a season when it's time to be <coughs> quick to hear, is that what it says? Slow to speak, slow to wrath, right? Is it quick to hear? Swift, that's the word, swift. You have to be swift, so swiftness of hearing is opposite of dullness of hearing, which happens when it's time, when God begins to reveal his, his things, amen. amen. Praise God. Our hearing should be on the increase in this time and in this season. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's just open to First John. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I can like, you have something to add? I saw your hand at the back before. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. She said it. Are you sure? There's nothing else. The Holy Spirit didn't inspire something to add to what she said. <laughs> what was in your heart to say? Amen. Oh, somebody else who wants to say something? Remember from last week? Who is that, Benji? Okay. Yeah, give, Benji has been asking me questions these days, so. <laughs> it's a sign that. <laughs> is it working? Is it is okay? <laughs> sorry, sir. I wanted to. No, I'm reading from my book. I'm okay, sorry. please I go ahead. Yes. So, but I guess from last um, last Wednesday, right? Um, spoke about commandment, right? Yes. I'll sir. just follow what Mama's from Mama's side. So um, there's a part that he said, um, an Adam is someone that deals with endless. Mm endlessness mm. of life. Mm. 
So, and nothing below. So, when someone comes into Adam, Adam is in that place of endlessness of life. Yes. Right? And um, that's what happened in Genesis. Um, and um, you said that's when one has begun to deal with the image of God. And um, you spoke about Sadducees that they did not believe in resurrection. Right? And um, you said something about old man and new man. You said the image of the old man um, does not have power because he does not know the scriptures. So there was a scripture, um, Matthew 22, 29, mm. that speaks about it. Um, yeah, and then you said something about form without power is a lie. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, so those are the things I just wanted to add to what Mama said. Um, I thought we were talking about last Saturday, so that's why I was raising my hand, but okay. it's last Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but thank you, sir. That's what thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, we have a brother at the back wants to. Um, yeah, like everyone, like everybody has said already, we're talking about, do I have to stand up? No, no. Okay, we're okay. talking about love, and we saw that Paul listed um, some commandments, and one of the things that Paul said was um, love is a debt. So, um, like everybody else said, we have, um, there's, the commandments are divided into two. Five are debts to men, and five mm. are debts to God. Mm. Then there's something else that we mentioned that, um, commandments are in layers. The type of life you live, um, the type of commandments you get is dependent on the type of life you have. And there's something I mentioned that I wrote down. Um, you were talking about the word image yeah. and how it's different from likeness. And you, you were saying, I wrote that we, we should juxtapose likeness in the Hebrew, that's the Old Testament, yes. to, the, to the word image in the New Testament, that they mean the same thing. That's something I would actually like to yes. check out. And um, we started to, we said, we was, you were saying stuff about image around the end that okay. I know I wasn't really grabbing, but yeah, that's just I'm just that's what everybody has been saying. So that's what I wanted to all. So. Okay. So, yeah. Thank the, you. The part at the end about image, you remember it? Uh, whatever, right? Those who are in the image of God have certain things that they are concerned with. Yes. Uh, I can't remember anything. That was the last thing I wrote. Huh? Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. So that second image I was speaking about later was the image of God. That's the divine image itself, which is, which is not exactly the same image as the image of, of Christ. Right? Who is the Christ is, the, is the, the first nature you come into before you come into the divine nature itself. Praise God. And so... Um, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Okay, let's let's see. Um, okay, let's go from let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter. Revelation chapter one. <clears throat> okay, let's see chapter chapter two instead. Praise God. Um, unto the <coughs> unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write that this thing saith he that holdeth the seven stars 
in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them to be what? To be liars. So these are kind of petty, they are works actually, right? In the spirit, one of, so the ability to try them that say they are apostles and are not is a kind of a work. Because to try such a thing, you need some kind of an investment on the inside. You need the instrument of judgment. Praise God. The word apostle here just means sent one. It just means those who claim to be, to be sent of God or from God or those who claim to be sent by God at any level. Praise God. The apostles of Christ... They are apostles of God. They are apostles of different dimensions of the oracles of the word of God. They are people who are actually apostles of milk. Right? They are apostles of milk. Apostle just means sent. Uh, but we know in the scripture, beyond the apostleship of Christ, which Paul, Paul will say, Paul, an apostle of Christ. That's a is a specific kind of apostleship, yes, right? Yes, uh -huh. Apostleship of Christ is very specific. It's about is an apostle of that nature. So it's different from when you say an apostle, for example, of Jesus, who were twelve in number, who were apostles of his his of the person called Jesus, who were who were sent of him. We say that. They were apostles of him. After he left, they began doing the apostle work, being sent of Jesus. Praise God. But by that time, the revelation of Christ hasn't come. So they were apostles of Jesus, but they were not apostles of Christ. Christ's apostleship came to Paul by revelation. So when you say someone is an apostle of Christ, you're just saying he's an apostle of revelation. He's a revelational apostle. Glory to Jesus. He's my... How are you sent? The twelve were sent personally. Paul was sent by revelation. And he was, a, he was a bringer of revelation. After some time, the other ones also became revelational too. They added to their apostleship. Praise God. Hallelujah. But when you say trying, to, it's clear that to be able to try, to try, to try an apostle, to try a sent one, you must have some kind of um, you can you have some some kind of judgment of truth, right? You have some measure of truth because the truth is the instrument of judgment. You cannot judge anything without you being in possession of the truth of that thing. Otherwise, you're just it's your own opinion at the end of the day, right? And sometimes these days <coughs> there are people who try to do this thing. But at the end of the day, it's just an opinion. Praise God. Hallelujah. There are some guys right now, their job is to call out men of God on social media. 
right? Call them out, you know, and then stack up Bible verses, you know, you're preaching wrongly and all of those things. But at the end of the day, there's not much difference because without truth, nobody can. Sometimes he who is correcting and he who is being corrected are both blind and they lack the, you know, the facility, the equipment to bring about correction. Glory to Jesus. So, but this church, they had, they had come into certain works which give them the ability to, to he says that thou hast, he says, how thou canst bear them that are evil, right? And thou hast tried them, we say the apostles that are not, and hast found them what? You found them liars. So it's clear that they, what they have is that which is able to detect a lie. Anything that, is, that comes as a lie is able to detect it. And so it's clear only truth can make a lie manifest. Glory to Jesus. And as born and as has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. So nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast done what? Thou hast left thy first love. Amen. Amen. Thou hast done what? Amen. Thou hast left thy first love. So then remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and then do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou do what? Except thou repent. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Glory to God. Say so I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy Thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. So if he's saying they left their first love, it means that at some point they had that love. They had that, what we called it there. So when he says thy first love doesn't mean the first thing you fell in, ever fell in love with. Right? Your first love doesn't mean the first thing you ever loved. It just means that you left your, your I look, think of first love as a thing they can commit to somebody. And at some point, we gave it to you. Take your first love. You had it at some point, and after a while, you left it. Do you see that? So you must see you must see not just the love as the noun. See, or and don't see because the way you can see the love as the noun first as just an adjective, qualifying the noun. But I want you to put first love together as the noun. And what he's saying is that you left, you had first love but you left your first love. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Can someone exp do you understand what I'm trying to say? Very clear, right? Very simple. It's like doing algebra with English. Just change the bracket where the bracket is. Make it outside, <laughs> right? So thou hast left thy first love. Glory to God. And so he says that you 
to remember from whence thou art fallen and then repent and do the first works. So you're seeing here relationship between two things, between works and what? And love. Between works and love. Relationship between what? Works and love. So, so if you want to have the first to have the first love there's you can't separate having first love with doing first works you must do first works to have first love amen, amen. you must do what first works to have first love first works for first love first works for first love glory to Jesus Hallelujah. now If you look at the context of what you're saying, you see that it falls on the backdrop of that in that candlestick angel, right? There's a tie between their candlestick and the star. He explained it in the last verse of chapter 1. The star in the right hand of him is what? It's the angel of, of the church. Praise God. And we know that in the Bible, the purpose of walk, of light, <coughs> is for walking. The, without light... You cannot walk. That the reason why light is designed, uh, we see that from the um, Jesus speaking about daytime. I must walk. I must walk the walk of Him that sent me. While it is day, for the night cometh when what? When no man can do what? When no man can work. Praise God. Hallelujah. We also know that the so. There's the the sun himself itself is the the purpose of the sun is to give the vision <clears throat> to give a light for doing specific works. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then we're seeing that the stars we saw last time that the stars are sort of an interpretation of works also, but there are stars are works that are done for the purpose of giving of or teaching for the purpose of giving knowledge right, when you say that person is a star you speak about brightness glory to Jesus in the book of Daniel chapter 12 where we read that on Wednesday, do you remember that? 
Daniel 12, it was spoke about, it said that many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame, and everlasting contempt, verse 3. And they that be wise, you see the word wisdom. They are tying wisdom to brightness. Wisdom, they are tying wisdom to the word brightness. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forward ever and ever. So you see, wisdom, praise God, is put here as the, the, you see, wisdom first, then turning. They are not different. They are the same thing. It takes wisdom to turn. The wisdom, say wisdom. wisdom. And then what? To turn, turning, turning to what? To righteousness. So, what he's saying is that they that have wisdom that can produce turning to righteousness, that such a person is a kind of a star. Right, that they are stars, those who have this kind of wisdom, that in that wisdom has the wisdom of turning. Praise God. Um, so you, you can see then that this wisdom of turning is what it is what dropped <coughs> in that church. Do you see that? That church of Revelation chapter 2 that we're reading, that what they fell below the wisdom of turning to righteousness. Amen. Another word for turning is repent. Praise God. Let's see that quickly. Verse 5. Um, it says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and then repent. You see that? The word Repent means to turn. To repent means to do what? To turn. To repent means to turn. Remember from when thou art fallen and then repent and do the first works. So you can see that, um, that those first works are works of a kind of an establishment. Right, is a is a work of an establishment. Another way for establishment is to establish you means to to secure your standing. Praise God. Hallelujah. To do what? To secure, your standing. secure your standing. So you can see that clearly that the candlestick of the church is standing by wisdom. And then the Lord is saying that if you don't, you're not able to acquire the capacity of turning, I will remove your candlestick from its word out of his place, except thou repent. That's verse 5. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Except thou repent. So you can see the tying of the, the ground 
or the candlestick to its place is hinged upon repentance. <clears throat> Do you see that? Is hinged upon repentance. Except thou repent, your candlestick cannot be in that place. So to repent means you must come back above a place where you fell. Now the wisdom of the seven churches, all the seven churches are different in what the Lord said to them, all of them. And they are different because all the churches are not exactly in the same point. They are at different points within around the, the kind, a similar vicinity in the spirit. Do you see that? You see, but this one, I don't know, I can't tell you fully the order because the Lord hasn't shown me. I've not seen the, all the order of them. But what you can, what I, all I can see is that this first church is at the entering point while the last church is dealing with the throne. That's chapter 3. Right? If you check chapter 3, the last church of chapter 3. Right? What the, let's read that. What is said concerning them was is dealing concerning the throne. Praise God. It says, verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. <clears throat> verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me where? In my throne. Even as I did what? As I also overcame and am set down with my, with my father on the throne. Praise God. So that first one is dealing with sitting upon where? The throne. Glory to Jesus. Let's see verse 7 of the first church. Amen. <laughs> verse 7 of the first church. That's the Ephesian church that we are still reading about. It says that he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him <coughs> that overcometh, will I do what? Give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So it's clear that if the, 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 the job of overcoming is eating of the tree of the life, this church clearly hasn't eaten at all of the tree. Do you agree? So you can see that this church is in a place that is before, is behind the last church. If you just go by the visual of Revelation 22, the, no, Revelation 22 draws a picture for us, gives us a, a kind of a spiritual picture of, of the landscape in the spirit of the world to come. And you can see that in the, the landscape, the tree of life comes before the throne. Do you agree? Yes. That the tree of life does what? Comes before the throne. As a matter of fact, it says in the midst of the street of it and on another side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. 
and the leaves of the tree were for the what? Healing of the nations. Praise God. So, but before that, verse 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding where? Out of the throne of God and of where? Of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Are you seeing that? So, so you can see the river from where the tree came. So verse 1 showing the river coming from a, tr- a throne. Verse 2 is showing the tree growing from the river. The river is actually the one that's f- giving seed and fertilizing the ground. That's causing the trees actually growing out of the resources which the river gives. And he now began to speak about the eating of the trees, 12 manner of fruit. And each fruit every month means there's a journey of eating the tree. Right? If you need to eat a tree that bears 12 manner of fruit, and only each fruit is born in one month, it means you can never go to that tree and just finish it. You must wait. Take the first fruit, then wait again. So it means a whole year to eat of the, all the manners of fruit, praise God, which the tree has to give. So you can see somewhere in the spirit what they are showing you in the position of these churches. You know, it's, it's clear that none of these churches <coughs> have received their reward. Praise God. The, the truth is that Nobody, nobody will receive reward from God when I mean the reward of God himself. That reward. I'm not talking of reward of doing ministry or reward of doing something. I'm talking of God, the reward of God. The, no person will come into God's own reward without becoming a candidate of the throne or be, without becoming an entity, a reigner, somebody who has taken and sat on the throne, the way Jesus put it in Revelation chapter 3. Praise God. And so that thing of of sitting on the throne um, is is a final overcoming for reward, or you can call it a final walk. Do you see that? A final what? A final walk. Praise God. Because God's reward comes to those who walk. He said that the Lord hath proclaimed the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh, and his reward is, him, is with him, and his what? His works. Do you see that? His reward is with him. Isaiah 62, verse 11. Behold, his reward is with him, and what? His work is before him. So you have his walk, then his reward. That's the, the reward of God, right? Praise Jesus. So when you speak about walk, walk just means what you must do to overcome. The things that you must do to do what? To overcome. The things you must do to overcome is what you call walk. Praise God. <clears throat> to overcome means you are um, you want to define it in physics terms. To overcome means you are doing a walk. Right? They, they, how do they define energy in physics? They say energy is the ability 
to do work, right? And, the, and what is energy? Then what is the formula for energy? Work done per what? Per time taken. Right? Energy is equal to W over T. Am I correct? <laughs> there are too many scientists here. You guys are not sure. What's happening? Huh? What is it? Uh, is it? Oh, am I wrong? I'm correct? Are you sure? Work done per time is energy. Um, or no? Someone is looking. You're not sure? No, I'm acting because I want to be sure. I don't want to just say something that's not correct. Sorry? Okay, it's power times time. Then power is the rate of doing work. One, of, one is the rate of work. Oh, power is energy over time. Okay, eh, are you sure? Energy is power times time. And then what is power? You are doing circular definition. Power is work over time. <laughs> right? How do you guys wait? Are you, how, do you, how did you pass your class? Eh? Is it? Hope you use prayer to pass or something. <laughs> power is work done per time taken. Right? Power is work done per time taken. Energy is power times time. No, I don't. Something's not right here. Power is the rate of doing work. So that's work done per time taken. Aha. Uh -huh. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then the energy is power times time because energy is work, work, work. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Power is work over time. Praise God. So. When you speak of power, power is the ability, or is the ability to do work. Mm -hmm. So it's the rate of work done. That's what power is. Amen. So it's clear that the eternal power is the rate at which the 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 work of God is done. You can't separate power from work. So the, the, the eternal power is the ability to do the works of God. Amen. The ability to do what? To do the, the works of God. And what we call the eternal power is everlasting life. It's a type of life. Praise God. A type of life that empowers the soul for the eternal life of God. Praise Jesus. <laughs> so God's works to, so to overcome 
it takes it means that you are you have a challenge all right if you want to now describe what is work work is first times distance right so work is a force applied over a distance that's you're trying to overcome something praise god you're trying to do what you're trying to overcome something um thank you jesus so so when they say overcoming the word overcoming in when it comes to the life of god he's talking about you can never you can't overcome without works right to overcome means is that and works must be complete to move you over the distance right to is to overcome you must walk and walk and walk and walk until you overcome until you overcome praise god all these things in physics everything you see god is just talking about himself right it's just their formulas actually <coughs> thank you there are formulas that, you know, we just, all these formulas are not, men didn't invent them, even though they attached people's name to it, Newton's law of this, Faraday, all of those guys, God. all of them, none of them invented them. They just wrote, they're just the name of the guys who discovered them. They discovered that in nature, these things happen this way. So when they, uh-huh, Archimedes principle of flotation, he's not the one who makes things float. Things just float, but it, it required, ah, there's a formula to flotation. Are you getting what I'm saying? Is that the one formula? Sorry. Yeah. Amen. Glory to God. So, the um, overcoming in the spirit of, is clear that overcoming will, can only be, be done according to an empowerment. Right? An empowerment. If you're not empowered, you will not overcome because you are, over, you are fighting against another a force right, that is, is acting upon the soul. If you, you, need to, you need to come to terms with the fact that there, there are forces against your soul. Amen. Amen. When I was in investing in our church, we acted a movie, a Zion movie called Forces Against My Soul. <laughs> Don't go and look for that movie. <laughs> oh I wasn't in that movie, so thank God. <laughs> the one that was inside, I won't tell you the name. But I was. <laughs> Amen. Why did I say this thing now? I'm in trouble. Amen. So, so there are forces against our, your soul. You, you have to know. Just leave yourself. You find out that something is pushing you downwards. Something is pushing you back. There is a, there is a constant resistance against man. There's somebody who resists men when it comes to approach towards God. It's not just free lying. You don't stay in a place. When you, the way Newton, Newton's law of motion... I don't know, is it the first law of motion? He said that an, an item will stay in its state of rest or uniform motion unless it is acted upon by an external force. 
So the, the fact that your soul is not staying in a state of rest or uniform motion is, is a proof that there is a force against your soul. Do you get? Don't lie. Nobody should lie about this. There's something about... There's some, if you leave yourself, you won't just stay where you are. After some time, you find out that there's a force acting against you to push you backward, to push you downwards, to bring you downwards. Glory to Jesus. Where is he taking the soul to? He wants us to send the soul to the grave and suspend the soul in the grave until it's time to empty graves. Right? And when it's time to empty graves, there's a way God throws grave people into. It's called the lake of fire. And Satan is going there. He wants people to come there. So that's why he, 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 he stays in our world as a force against men. <clears throat> right, that was what they were doing. Who art thou falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Who art thou caught down to the ground? You who did weaken the nations. That was the weakening of the nation, right, is, is the exertion of his force. The force of your, his own kind of power, which he had. Glory to Jesus. He exerting that upon men, upon the nations, is to bring them down. So it's clear that nobody can, when, if you want to think about what is everlasting life, maybe the Lord will bring another sense of it to you, because sometimes for you to understand it, you have to see it through different senses, through different angles, different high, high, you know, perspective. Think about everlasting life as what you will need to, the kind of empowerment you need to come into till you now realize that you are no longer affected by a gravitational pull. Are you seeing that? That's how you know you've overcome. If I throw something, this thing is coming down, right? It's going to come down, right? So you see it resting, but it's not in rest. It's, it's only rest, seems like it's resting because I'm holding it up. The force of holding it is from my hand. If I remove my own power, another power will take over. It's called gravity. Right? You know, gravity is a, is a force in nature. God created gravity and is to teach us things. Right? What is that gravity? Gravity just means a force that pulls things downwards. That one, you don't need to beg, it's constantly there. Right? You don't need to go and look for it, it's there. You see, it? it's, a force. it's just a cut. And gravity <coughs> does not discriminate. Gravity won't say, ah, I didn't know that you were letting it go. I forgot to bring it down. No. <laughs> there is no place you get to where gravity. Do you know why? Because it's, it's universal. Yes, the, the force of gravity is tied to the earth. As long as you're on the earth, what will happen? So who is the devil? The devil is a gravitational force. God did not initially create the earth with a gravitational force. I don't mean the physical earth. I mean in the spirit. If you want to think of the soul, the realm of souls, God didn't initially make it with a gravitational pull. That men, like when God made Adam, God put him in a garden. Adam was not tending downwards. God put him in a place, and every time God comes, God will meet him there. 
God was finding him in a place where he put him. It wasn't going away. Until that wicked force of gravity came to the earth and invaded the whole earth. And when he came, that is a force. Amen. Amen. Say force. Amen. Amen. Now, what makes this gravity? There's something that makes gravity have power. It's called mass. Mass is, ma- is, is a property of matter. It's native. What is matter? Anything that has weight. And occupies space. When you say something has weight, what is really weight? Weight is actually mass. Mass times acceleration. Do you get that? It has, so when you say weight, weight, has, weight is, is mass, but it's mass that has the direction. Do you see that? This is physics, but it is, I'm seeing the Bible very clearly. Just talking physics to you. Now, so you see that gravity, the force that gravity exerts on this thing, gravity is not some kind of external force. That's why Newton called it an external force. You, you need an external force to act against an internal, because even though gravity is from the earth, but the power of gravity is in the mass of the thing. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The, the power of gravity is where? It's in the mass of the thing. So it means that mass has an alliance with gravity. That if you have mass, you will accelerate faster towards the ground. The more mass you have, you accelerate faster towards the ground. So you see, imagine your soul as a matter looking for the devil. Where is he? Where is he? Where is the guy who's pulling me down? You can never find him. <laughs> I want to fight you. Where are you, Satan? Um, let me, leave me alone. Let me go. I no longer want you to pull me down. You don't realize that. <laughs> you don't know where he is. You can never find him. You don't realize that. But there are things in me. Do you see that? Say, in me. What is in me? That's the problem. Glory to God. Do you see that? So Satan's job is very, very easy. Gravity describes the devil. It's almost like a perfect description of the devil. He who pulls you down, but you can't see him. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't see him. Just by mere existing with a mass, you are playing into his hand. It's not, you can't escape him. So the, 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 what gravity shows you is that Satan's power are his things. When I say his things, I mean his weight. Or you can call it his matters. Matter. Rather than intrinsic property of matter, you has, he has weight. And he does what? Occupies space. Weight. Weight. See, matter. 
the glory to God. So if you have weight, what will happen? <laughs> if you have weight, what will happen to you? You can't be free. So Satan's power over you has to do with your weight, your thing. Praise Jesus. So you now see that God's make salvation is simple. How do you make a matter or a thing overcome the pool? You have to make it spirit. Right? You have, you have to create, make it a different kind of object. You must make it powerful. But not just powerful. Glory to God. In an external way. Powerful within. Amen. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay. Now, this thing, I'm holding it up. Because I'm holding it up, it's not falling. But if I leave it, it will fall. Why? Because it still has things. So you can be held up with your things. And they can keep you in a place. Are you seeing that? So a state of a soul that's been carried like this, that's not falling, is a type of a soul that is compatible with being carried. It's called a Christ soul. A Christ soul is a soul that has been supported by God. Do you get that? Do you see that? It's a, a Christ soul is a soul that brings you into the hand of God, that that brings you under the it brings a, when you, Christ's nature brings a person under the support of God. Christ is the man who God supports. All right. <coughs> That's why they, they call Christ the power of God. Yes. Christ, who is the power of God. So what they mean is that when you see a Christ in his suspending and he's not going down, ah, why are you not going down? You know, it's because of the power of God. So Christ is a man who is positioned to be carried by what? The power of God. But if you remove that support, Christ, it will fall. Why? Because within itself, right, is depending on an external force to hold him up. That's the difference between the Christ nature and then God nature. Now, how do, how do you describe divine nature? These are just analogies, okay? Simple. To me, Isaiah chapter 40 describes it. First of all, a Christ is he who waits upon the Lord. He who waits upon the Lord is a person who, who, who can stay. You get what I'm saying? 
After not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the end of the earth, fainted not, neither is weary. There is no searching of understanding. Amen. He giveth power to the faint. Do you see that? And then to them that had no might, he increased strength. He giveth power to the faint. That word faint, first of all, is the, every soul comes from being faint. Faint means you have no help at all. But the answer to a soul that's, that's fainting is to give power to them. In other words, Christ is a God, person who God has lended his power to. To keep them. Do you see that? Glory. But when you are in, in that place, they will now begin to do the... the there's something to be... To being faint. He that is faint is not the same that he, as he that has no might. Mm -hmm. We are just breaking up scriptural language. Uh -huh. Fainting is more of a state of um, <coughs> praise God. Say fainting. Fainting is what Christ's nature solves. Do you get that? Fainting is what the nature of Christ solves. It's the problem the nature of Christ solves. Any person who doesn't have the spiritual nature or the nature of Christ is in a fainting state. Right? It's a fainting state. It means you don't, have, you don't have any elevation. You are not standing. You are actually in the spirit. You are fainting. You are not able to maintain a position in the spirit. Fainting means you have no elevation. Right? Someone that is faint has no elevation. Praise God. But not having, someone might not have been delivered from fainting, but does not have might. Might is another, is another quality of strength. Strength, the might is a type of strength of the divine. Right? God who, who stands in the congregation of the mighty. Right? And he judges among the gods. Glory to God. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Do you see that? So, might, strength has to increase, grow into might. From being faint. They must be, when you are faint and they raise you up, you don't really have, you don't have you are, your strength is a lended strength, is a borrowed strength. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's not really your own. Strength that is yours is called might. It might be strengthened with might in your spirit, in your inner man. <coughs> glory to Jesus. That, that might, glory to Jesus, <laughs> is a particular kind of strength that, is, that appears in the realm of God. So God, when God is looking at a person, he's judging based on might. Do you have might? Are you mighty? Are you mighty? Amen. Amen. Who are those who are mighty? Those who are mighty are those who have gotten to a place where they have the ability to take on the task of overcoming. Mm -hmm. 
you can't come to someone who is faint and talk to them about overcoming. You have to first of all help them. You have to first of all support them, raise them out of the out of the miry clay and set them upon a rock. Do you see that? That is Christ. Christ means rock in the spirit. Christ means support. <clears throat> From the ground, they support you with something and put you on top of the rock. This is the rock. Stay on this rock. This rock will stop you from being faint. It's a, it's a rock upon which you stay in the spirit. Is the elevation from the ground. That's Christ in the spirit. God raised him. He has the ability. Amen. You know, Christ is actually a work of a type of God's work that lends itself to men who don't have the ability to overcome the forces to pull them down. So when you have been put your feet, you've been taken from the miry clay, which is the place of those who are faint, this faint here. And then glory to Jesus, you've been given power. Right? With power is called the power of God to stay upon the rock. So he will set me upon the rock to stay. Set my feet upon the rock to stay. When your feet has been set upon the rock to stay, that position of staying on the rock is called waiting upon the Lord. Do you understand it? Let's read on. I had no might, he increased strength. Glory to Jesus. Verse 30, quickly. The youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. That is, to wait upon the Lord means your feet has been set upon the rock to stay. Glory to Jesus. By the power of God. Do you see that? Which is a solid nature in the spirit. Christ is a nature of elevation in the spirit. If you, if you come into Christ, you are able to come into the foundation of Christ, which they rot within your soul, you will find that your downward tangent will stop. <clears throat> if you are here and you feel like, I almost, always go backward, I'm always, I'm always degenerating. I'm always. You just need to. You need this. You need the spiritual nature. You need. You need, to, you need the nature of Christ. You need an encounter with power, right? Like he's saying. What they want to do by teaching you Christ? Anytime you're hearing the message of Christ, dealings of Christ, sanctification, separation, sanctification. All they want to do is to put your feet upon a rock, to stay. To set you upon a rock. In the spirit. What, what rock is that? That foundation God laid in Zion. Right? Tried stone. Are you seeing? The foundation is not ordinary. See those things about the foundation first. To try it and then make it precious. Precious <coughs> cornerstone. Glory to Jesus. This whole building of Christ. Which you, the Bible calls it the holy temple. Right in the spirit. Praise God. The holy temple is a place. The temple is a kind of a house <clears throat> that takes you and keeps you. So when like they took out of Israel, God took Levites, brought them near. But it's not enough. 
God must then put them in a house. Out of them selected a tribe called tribe, or sorry, a house of Aaron. So Aaron are the owners of the house. The truth is that once you have a house, you have a place. Do you see that? The, the purpose of Aaron, the house for Aaron is to let Aaron have another house. And if you're able to give him, like the, think about the Levites. The Levites, even though they have a lot around the tabernacle, their place is not stable. Do you know that? The Levites officiate in the tabernacle, but they have the, each have their own tent on the outside. Do you see that? But what the provision God has given to them wasn't that of a house. It's that of an office where they do some things. But a priest can sleep in the holy place. A Levite can't go there in the holy place. Praise Jesus. A priest can do what? Sleep there. While all the Levites are in their own houses around the tabernacle, you can, priests can stay inside. And you can't drive them. They can stay there as long as they want. Because that place has become a house. So under what for sanctuary means staying place. Do you see that? Sanctuary means what? Staying place. It's a sanctuary is for to make you stay. Is to establish your separation. Do you see that? Is to give you a kind of a settlement. A kind of a place. When I'm, I'm speaking the language of your soul, just if you can interpret everything that I'm saying. There's one skill that we should all have how to get blessed. Do you get what I'm saying? When I'm saying this thing, don't be thinking of how somewhere you, you miss the message. Just be seeing your soul. What I'm talking about, setting you on a place. Think about yourself, your nature, your tendency to go back, your tendency to deviate from God, your tendency to do all the things, praise God, that are against the well-being of your spiritual, of your soul. Glory to Jesus. See the Lord, see the Lord creating a zone in the spirit for you where they can stabilize your soul. Christ means stability. Nobody who is, anyone, that you can't find anybody who is not spiritual who can be stable, spiritually speaking. The only thing that stabilizes soul is Christ. When Christ has been formed in his soul, that soul becomes stable. Why? You've given them a house in the spirit. Do you understand what I mean? They have, in that house, like we were seeing on Saturday, there is provision. There is bread. It has its own facility. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, the reason for that bread and all is to, to heal tendencies. To go back into the unclean things. There is a pool. When it says, touch not the unclean thing. What makes soul touch on Clinton is gravitational pull. The soul is, gra- is pulled towards that which is unclean. The soul can take unclean postures. <clears throat> Praise God. Are you seeing that? But when you are found a, a place in the house, the school of the house, the teaching of the house is to, to train you to settle. The, the, the full settlement upon that foundation is what they call Peace in the spirit. They now call it peace with God. 
So when you say someone has peace with God, it's somebody who can stay on the foundation of power which God provides. Who can it's somebody who can rest and stay. You say, He has taken me from the miry clay, set my feet on a rock to stay. It's someone who can stay upon the what? The base which God has thought has put him. And he brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my God. The word established means staying. I love the word he used goings here. It means that it's not even you are, it's not that you are in one place. There's there are ways of movement, but it's a way upon an establishment. Do you get what I'm saying? That when you, you journey and journey to a point where the plane then turns horizontal. They'll not tell you, but it's an horizontal plane at a height. You can now begin to walk, at, but you're walking upon a, a foundation that is at a height. That's what Christ is. Somebody who normally rolls and plays on the ground and in the clay, or he calls it here the horrible pit. When you see horrible pit, he's talking about the pit of souls. It's just that because of the world, we can't perceive the, horrible, hor- the horror of the pit that we are in. Imagine someone being locked into the cycle of vanity, just continuously, like that. Const- every day you are walking for things that pass away. Yeah. When they come, it causes more sorrow and yeah. emptiness. Yes, then you, you go again tomorrow because you feel that when you try tomorrow, it will be better. Yeah. Then, then when you go tomorrow, you gain something bigger. When you come back, the wretchedness is bigger. Yeah. It's a cycle. Yeah. You understand what I mean? That is what you call horror for the soul. But someone can be in such a horrible state, but, but he finds the world so exciting. Things around to do. Going, going what? Because of this outward man can be easily appeased. Can you imagine somebody is someone sacrificing the health of their soul for something that feels good to them? The, the nat- just the natural appeal. But inside the heart, the soul is what? Is dying. Yeah. And people do that. that. This world is designed to make people able to do that. You find somebody spend their soul for a, an earthly pursuit. At the end of the day, what's the point of the pursuit? Vainglory. Ah, that in my name, they'll say, in my family, I finally achieved this. You know, some people it's like that. They've been programming you since you were born. In your family, somebody must be a doctor. Someone you must be this. Those are the subconscious programmings we have. Your father will spell out something to you and say, "In fact, there's a prophecy over your life." They will tell you, "Were you, were you there before you were born? You were not there. You just came. We know how you came. Prophecy. They said this about you. So you must fulfill all these things. Are you getting what I'm trying to say?" Many things, amen, in the natural. Now you can see a person can be pursuing something in the natural. <clears throat> it's at the detriment of their soul. How do, they, how do you know the detriment of your soul? They are getting bad as they are doing it. And as, how are they getting bad? They cross threshold. After some time, they, maybe they grew up not lying before. Maybe because the home, the parents, you must not lie. And they didn't lie, but... You get to a point. Some people, the first time they really lied, serious lie, was maybe when they went to secondary school. Yeah. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Because they never had the occasion to tell serious lie. But when things just change in secondary school, 
Now the weight of the world comes upon you. You understand what I mean? When I went to high school, I did things that I never thought I could ever do. Right? Things I used to, you know, you hear that story. Ah, they, they are bad boys. Who, you know, you used to hear those stories back then. Ah, bad secondary school boys. Those seniors, bad guys. You see them as evil people. Hey. I remember when I was in primary school, because they used to, just would come and, because my primary school was right opposite the secondary. It's the same kind of establishment, but the secondary school was on this side. Then the primary school and nursery school was across the road on the other side. So during break, we can, you can go, aha. Uh-huh. So we go, sometimes we're going, when we are going into the secondary school side, there are areas we don't get to. Where the seniors are, you know those, those guys? <laughs> because we only see them from afar. And that time, our school was very close to the university in Benin, right? Federal Staff School. Just very close to the University of Benin. So, you know, you hear what kind of rumors here. There are some guys, that one is a cult boy. You know, that kind of thing. Like those guys, they actually. Uh, so, those guys, you don't need them. You just, because you don't feel. If you get close to him and he looks at you, you don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> All manner of things you play in your heart. <laughs> Amen. And we know that those guys were bad. Sometimes, during school time, you will see them outside. Just on the junction, because we had one long road you must drive before you get to our school. Uh-huh. So, but you see them in the junction doing all kinds of things, Mi'kmaq rolling. And back then, the school, we had school uniform, right? So, we in junior school, you don't, who are you? You must dress for you, talking always. We wear our shorts, your socks, everything must be clean, nice. You understand? But when we pass those guys on the road, they don't wear shoes, they wear slippers, palm slippers. You understand? The way palm slippers, the shirt tucked out, all kind of things, and you can see them gisting with a teacher. It means that 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 teacher who is a terror to us, for this teacher to be gisting with this guy at this level, dressed like this, who is this guy? <laughs> Amen. So all of those things. So why we small guy? That was our definition of a bad person. Right, someone who can you can just leave school, just dress anyhow. Now ask me what was I doing when I got to secondary school? Huh? <laughs> so it means that between that my nursery school time to when I became to my SS2, SS3, something has happened to my do you get what I'm trying to say? <laughs> if someone told me that you can never jump your fence before of school and go outside, and my, my school was in a village, actually, a, a kind of village in Abia State. Amen. So it's like a whole a town, a community, like, uh-huh, it's a heart of evil land. So it's a place where if your parents drop you, in my parents' mind, once they drop you there, there's a fence around the school. You should never, but they don't know, they didn't know what we were doing. That that whole neighborhood, we have like, <laughs> amen. Praise God. In fact, I will leave school sometimes for a weekend. I will go to one of my friends, his father has a house 
Amen. Then from there, we'll stay for some time, play games. Then I will now go to stream. Till today, my parents don't know I did this thing. <laughs> River, imagine me. <laughs> now, the guys I thought as bad boys when I was little didn't do anything close to some of the things that we did. Praise God. So that would, I'm just trying to show you how as you're advancing, the more you're exposed to the world, yeah. your, you know those, your resolve of, this is bad. Yeah. If, you, if you had the resolve, I will never lie. One day you will lie. Yeah. It's just a matter of, I want to change the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> when I was very little, amen, yeah. when you you know, the way I was brought up, exam is a holy thing. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, exam is a holy thing. It's like, it's a, it's a righteous moment. You go there, you write, you, you understand? But you hear stories, people cheat in exam, all kinds of things. You, don't, you, will not, you can't even fathom doing such a thing. There are things that you will hear a story, you tell your mom, your mom, ah, wow. Eh? People do such things. Do you understand what I mean? Amen. When I was in when I was in secondary school, like when I got to like my, my, I did my GC in GS1. And when it was GS1, sorry, SS1. By SS1, I already passed my GC. So I had my papers already. So from that time, I became absolutely unserious, right? <laughs> in school. So, and, and, but the thing with me is that this is, I'm deceptive because I'm a serious guy on the outside. You know what I mean? So, on the outside, I'm serious, but the guys who have plans about life in school, they like being my friend because I give them freedom to do anything they, can, they need to do because when the exam time happens, things will happen, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm confessing my sins to you, but it's to teach you something. I want to show you how a guy... I need to, you need to know how I was raised. And, and let me tell you something. I wasn't an unbeliever because I got born again at like age seven, age eight, very, very early. I don't mean that Christian family. I mean actually born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, knew the Holy Spirit, reading my Bible, having experiences with God. Very young age. So, so, so it means that when I was doing all these things, I'm talking as a Christian. I'm not talking of when I was... I, used to, I was an unbeliever, so you know what I mean? Amen. So that kind of a child grew to a point where when I was in secondary school, the level of my... It's not, you know, it's one thing to spy. It's not spying. By that time, we had an operation. The operation is that once the exam comes, amen, <laughs> once the, the exam comes, I will solve it my own, my own quickly. It doesn't take me anything. I will just, if it's maths or some calculus, I finish solving it. Then I would then take all the, because to solve, stop spying sometimes, they take classes, higher class. When I was in SS2, for example, SS3 guys would be in our class, in the exam class, so switch to mix it. So this exam day, I finished some solving my own, then I took the SS3 paper and solved everything. You understand? And then started distributing. <laughs> That's what I started doing. <laughs> Do you know what I did? Because that 
was, it was almost like an unholy pact that I had with those, so, and some of those bad guys, they are, they are, they are, they are men, you know what I mean. But, uh, praise God. Many of us are from the West, I think. Because I lived in Benin for some time, <coughs> to my SS1. But when, and I saw two walls, right? Going to school in the West and going to school in the East are not the same. When you are a kid, you are going to school in the West, you are going to school with kids. If you are a child going to school in the East, you're going to school with men. Men. Grown men. In fact, there was a guy in my class who was a king. He was like the it was it was like the heir to some of the some of the guys had businesses, they had all kinds of things. They just said let them just pet school and come and get the you know. Praise God. Say evil communication. What does it do? It means that all my niceness from home was not enough for me. Things that when I was young, I, I, I could never think of. Things that I, you know, over time. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, uh, amen. amen. So imagine me being a young person. I can never lie, but there's a day I, I lied the first time. And then you now check it. Wow, this lying thing. Hmm, this is one way. You understand? That's the end. The door has been opened. That kind of time, for, and for many of us, the only thing that will protect you is the Lord will have to invisibly put a hand around you. Without your own, you understand what I mean? The hand God put around me was the guys who were very bad, who were my friends. They knew that I'm not like them. You know, there are things that we can do, but you must never do. Somehow, God just put that in them. <laughs> Amen. But I know many of us, God didn't just leave us to that. There's a way the Lord kept us to keep our heart and keep our soul so we won't get won't get too bad. But the, 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 basic, the baseline, what I'm saying is that in the world, in this world, the world, once you are in this place, you will degenerate. Yes, sir. It's just that people are skilled at covering it. <laughs> you understand? Someone can come and preach to you. You can be anything, do anything, be the best at this, and they will come and show you this, their own record. I was the best, but they won't tell you the transactions they made with their soul on the way because nobody can see that. Nobody can. All you will see is that nice Christian brother has all these things. Do you get what I'm saying? That's why I don't believe in going after things first. And I'm not against having things. I just believe that if you want to have things, you must have power. And you must have might. So don't go for things. Go for power first. When you go for power... The, the power allocation you have 
is what will interpret what things you can have. Do you agree with that? There are some of you, if you come and tell me the Lord is talking to me to go and do this, do and start this, I'll just look at you and say, wow, that's awesome. Pray with you. Can we strategize? How should we do it? I won't have any single fear in my heart. Because when I look at you, I can see the grace for such thing. I know that when you go there, you will not start spiritually in your soul because you have enough. You get what I mean? And, I, and when you're talking to me, I don't know where your talk is coming from. I can, I can, hear, I can hear instability. It's, there's a way it sounds. You understand what I mean? You just, you feel, you just want to, you know, that kind of, there's something about the soul. <clears throat> attachment. It sounds attachment. You know, when I say attachment, ah. <laughs> I'm seeing gravity, mass. Do you understand what I mean? Mass, so what will happen? So it means that that place you want to go, you don't have the rock to stand on in that zone. Christ, when they are building Christ, they don't build everything at once. Some part of your Christ might be formed well. Some other part might not even have been formed at all. Do you get what I'm saying? So when you, the way you deal with the world is simple. You... Only venture into things where you have an inward f- stability for, an inward formation. That when you are engaging in that thing, you'll be doing it standing on something. You won't be free-floating. Yeah. <coughs> As a Christian, you can't do any- everything. You can't do ed- just anything. The things that you are, can do are according to the, uh, the measure of help, salvation grace that has been ministered to you by Christ is according to the frame of your spiritual nature. Right? You must check what can my spiritual nature handle. It's not every atmosphere, every environment, every pursuit, every place, not every profession, not every, not every kind of school, not every kind of educational pursuit, not everything, glory to Jesus, that you have the ability to engage in and be stable. You have to know that. Do you see that? Glory to Jesus. <laughs> because gravity is what? It's everywhere. If you don't have a rock, you will fall. And when you are falling, it's a pit. It's into a pit. Glory to God. <clears throat> Praise Jesus. So he said, and establish my word. So these goings are talking about movement, ways, ways of operation and dealings, but it's upon a kind of a platform which is called the spiritual nature, which is Christ. Amen. So what is the purpose of all these things we are learning? This is I'm, this what I'm describing to you. Learn and learn and learn until you become stable. Right? You can, there's a way, you can, if you're honest, you will see your stability level. I'm not really stable. In this area, it means that you can. There's still learning. More light needs to come. More grace needs to come. You need to encounter more of the ministry of the Spirit, subject to dealings, all kinds of things that will bring, rot out stability. Right? 
Amen. Amen. In that particular place, aspect of life, glory to Jesus. So, he set you upon the rock, which is Christ, right? The Bible speaks about the rock which followed them in the wilderness. That rock is what he called Christ. Amen. Christ is a rock. We don't need to go back to that. You all know that. So he sets you upon, and I said that when you are standing on Christ, everyone who stands on Christ has come to a place of peace. In the spirit, it's called peace. Amen. And so that those place people who have there such a standing are they that wait upon the Lord. Is a is a place of waiting upon the Lord. <clears throat> now, when they wait upon the Lord, is for a season of renewal of strength. This renewal of strength is a particular strength. It's not to deal with the problem of fainting. That is dealt with in Christ. This is strength in another dimension. What is this strength for? This is talking about, they want to shift your mechanism against falling from external to internal. How will you show when you mount up with wings as eagles. So you see, everything is falling, but an eagle is not falling. Right? You, you can't go where an eagle is going without something under you. <laughs> but an eagle is different. But when you're looking for what is the external thing keeping the eagle in flight, it's not external. It's called might. It's called, an eagle is synonymous with strength. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So it means that this eagle has gained a kind of power that is within them. Do you see that? So your soul can get, gain stability by standing on something, which is Christ, which is a bit, in a sense, it's not external in terms of it's not in your soul. It's external in terms of relative to God. Uh-huh. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because everything, when you are speaking every, everything relative to God, right, there are people who have the nature of God in them. That's one kind of a person. It's called a divine person. Or a person who has strength. They have God's nature in them. That's one thing. Then there are people who are not falling still. But they are not falling because they are held up by a nature which God gave. Do you see that? So when you see them, they are actually God is the one holding them. Remember that he upholded all things by the word of his power. Upholding all things by the word of, of what? His, the word of his power. Upholding all things. Glory to Jesus. So there are those who... So when you see somebody to stand on Christ, you're really standing on God. It depends on how you're looking at it. So when you have Christ in you, you stand on God. 
Because that Christ in you is a way to, to, for God to keep you without being in you. <laughs> Everything, God was just the one inventing things. So before they get to me, to a point where they have me in them, which is the goal according to Second Corinthians, I must raise them to out of the miry clay and put them somewhere so they can stay. How will I do it? Out of me, I must devise something to keep them. It's a God device, but they can't receive God in them. But I have to make something that can be in them that will be a platform of standing relative to me. <clears throat> so that's what. So, so Christ's nature is like a, is a is a provision, right? Don't play with the spiritual nature. To be spiritual means a lot. When you're spiritual, when you're spiritual, it means a lot. Why you just have to think about your soul, right? Imagine them solving the problem of you not constantly moving backwards, right? That's a serious problem to solve, right? Amen. When they can turn the the Turn over your direction of your soul. And you're no longer, instead of always going back, which you're normally doing, imagine you now, you're now going forward. You're now going upward. This is what the spiritual nature is. The spiritual nature is a way of elevating a man. Imagine if a person just starts going upwards. With each acquisition of Christ you, you have, you are, you are tending towards God. You are being elevated towards God. You, you begin to come back. If you were lying before, after a while, lying will stop. If you used to cheat, sometimes cheating will stop. If you used to backbite, after a while it will stop. You normally keep malice, after some time it will stop. All kinds of things will just start stopping. That's a sign that you are moving up. While others are in the world, are acquiring natures, you are releasing natures. You are things are being removed. Do you know how blessed that thing is? It's not, it's not common, no. <laughs> You know the devil, he cometh not but to steal, to kill and destroy. He can never add anything. Or when you, when you bump into him, just check yourself. Something has missed. You know all those guys in... <laughs> you know, there are some bad guys in Lagos. You don't need to... You, you never catch them putting their hand in your pocket, but just bump. <laughs> By bumping into them, let's say there was something. You can even check your gold chain has gone or your, your earring or something. <laughs> I've heard all kinds of stories of things missing, you know what I mean? That's key. Satan is like that. <clears throat> any, any dealing you have with him, something has left you. You might not even know something has left you. Some guys don't know something has left them until they get home and they open it. <laughs> Where is the, you understand what I mean? That's Satan for you. Amen. But when you bump into God, what happens? You begin to see, see sometimes you just be, you even disco, you begin to discover things in yourself that I didn't even know, I wasn't even learning this, but just by being around the atmosphere of the spirit, how it, sometimes people will be the ones even calling your attention to what you are becoming. Have you noticed that these days you are just, uh, you know, things are changing. Why are you, are you getting so much better? Why? Because you are bumping into 
into God. Encounter. You can just come into a meeting, a bump will just happen. Something has bumped against your person. You just go home with materials. Imagine that kind of being, eh? Imagine you, instead of what happens in Lagos where they bump into you and things leave, imagine you meet people and things enter into your, your pocket. Just put your hand in your, oh, let me to bring out your handkerchief. You just, you just see gold, something golden on your inside. That's what it's like to be a friend of God. Imagine when Jesus visits your house and goes, you think it would be, it would be normal. You just came, you just gisted small, then he leaves. Days after he left, you open your drawer, you see things. What's happening? Why? I didn't buy this. Where did all this come from? You begin to see treasures and awesome things in hidden locations in your house. That's what it means. The atmosphere of the spirit is blessed. So blessed. You will know what they're adding to you. You will know what they're putting into you. All manner of good things. All manner of riches. All manner of riches. Glory to God. Being spiritual. Thank you, Father. But so they that do wait upon the Lord, they will begin to renew their strength, right? Because they will mount up with wings. So you see, the image in the spirit of from standing on an elevation, and that way to describe Christ is a mountain. So imagine you were able to get to a tall mountain, you stand there, you're happy, you've gotten so high, and one eagle flies beside you. Just flies beside you. Kai, you'll be sad for a little bit. Be like, ah, all this climbing I've done. I can't. You know, the eagle can the eagle can come and perch. Then you feel like you are mates until it takes off. Now tell you that he, he himself, he, his goings are in another dimension. Gravity has nothing on him. He doesn't know gravity. Gravity. Human gravity, they don't even have business together because an eagle, the nature of an eagle is the nature of an overcomer. Overcomer. Why, how does it overcome? It's by a, a kind of force. It's called a force of flight. Right? The force of flight is a force but it's also a law. Do you understand? There's something called the laws of flight. If Pilot Femi was here, he would have explained it to us, but next time maybe we'll ask him to explain why do aeroplanes fly? Buy a nice jeep or whatever. You can climb a mountain, but it can't take off. For it, if you want it to take off, you must do something. You must change the engine and change its form. Do you get what I'm saying? When you are to bring a new engine, engine means you measure engine in horsepower. Power. You understand what I mean? Glory to Jesus. It's what? Power. And engines are in grades. So there's what you call bicycle engine. That's the lowest one. All right? What's the motorcycle? Motorcycle is that even when you put it on the ground, it's still not stable. <laughs> it's never climbing anything. It's never just on the 
<laughs> it's not too stable, right? Yes, sir. The only way you can stabilize it, it must increase its speed very fast. When it's moving fast, you see it to be stable for some time, but once it slows down, it can't stay. Amen. <clears throat> so there are, all, there are different kinds of engines. There is what you call, the, after some time, they will develop the engine of Christ in your soul. Right? And the engine of Christ is a powerful engine. It's an engine that climbs mountains. It's a mountain. You know, some, some vehicles are built forward, mountain climbing. They are, they, yeah. So, you know, that was, they are not just moving. They can fight against pool. Yes, not every, every vehicle can go upwards. Yes, but some machines are, are designed with a part, particular kind of engine to make such a journey. So you can drive up to a mountain, but that's a place. And it's not ordinary. Any engine that can take you to the top of the mountain is called a spiritual engine. It's called Christ. It's called the power of God. It's powerful. He still deals with the devil in his own way. With support. Just give it a ground. It's called, give it a holy ground. Give it a Zionic ground. A mountainous ground. It will begin to, to measure height. But, if it, but Christ measures height by what groundish movement even though it's upward but it's on the ground it's still tied to the earth it's, a, it's an earth it's an earth movement that is upward do you understand that's christ for you christ is an earth movement that is upward that's what makes it mountainous so a particular kind of engine the engine of christ in the spirit can make you do that but there'll be a time they want to detach you from the earth it's called redemption from the earth. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. To do that, they must change the engine. Changing the engine means you have to change the laws. Every engine is operating a law. Right? Every engine is doing what? Is operating a law. The but there's difference between the motor engine and a jet engine. The, the difference is this. A motor engine is operating one law. The jet engine is operating two laws. The first law plus another law. Do you see that? The motor, normal motor engine is just, what the law is operating simple is the law of combustion, right? Through combustion, it can generate movement. It's a, it's a motor. It's called a motor. It's a type of engine. Christ is such an engine. It can generate movement through combustion. What do you combust to generate movement? Christ is oil. All right. It's a type of oil. But it's also a type of spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, Christ has that law of combustion, but a jet engine has the law of combustion, which is Christ, plus the law of flight. 
Am I correct, sir? You must combine the two law. Now, the law of the law of combustion. When we, let's translate it into the spirit. We are learning physics today. Let's translate it into the spirit. Law of combustion is the law of Christ. The law of flight is the law of God. If you want to move, have Christ. If you want to fly, have God. Those are two laws. One for the other. Now, you can't have flight without combustion. Like a, like, like a, a, a plane. You never start the engine. Fuel is not burning. You just say, fly now. I didn't design to fly. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it's, one, it's one for the other. Glory to Jesus. One first. Then based on building on that one, they add more laws to it. You get what I'm trying to say? That can make a flight. And you see, everything we're talking about are works. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say now? So, so when you say law in the spirit, this is what I'm showing you. All I've described to you are two laws, right? But all the law are for overcoming a common enemy called what? Gravity. Right? Gravity. That's a summary of your enemy. What's gravity? That which wants to take you down to the pit which wants to pull your soul down, to drag your soul down. Amen. Amen. Laws given to man, according to the Bible, are called love. Do you see that? Are called what? Love. Love. So, what you call love to the soul? Love means laws to fulfill. Amen? Yeah. They, they are what? Laws to do what? Fulfill. Love are law. And that word for laws is when they're now explaining the law or, or trying to tie you to a law, they turn it into commandment. Commandment. Is the giving of laws. Do you get what I'm saying? Commandment is what the what? Is the, is the giving, you, when they give you a love requirement to fulfill, you have just been commanded. That's what a commandment is. So a commandment is when you tell a soul to fulfill a particular kind of task in the spirit. A task, when you tell a soul, can you fulfill this walk against gravity. That's a commandment. So anything that cannot elevate you doesn't account really as commandment to the soul. Commandment are tools of elevation. Tools of elevation. When they are commanding you, it's, to, it's actually to elevate you, it's to raise you. Is when they're giving you commandment, they're giving you the, what, what you need. The, they're giving you the, they're breaking down. For example, you want to build an engine. They're going to say, what are the commandments of building this engine? You have to now go into the institution. Praise God. Where you get now, and I'll check how knowledge is in the spirit. Sorry, in the natural 
nobody can take a textbook and read and build a car. You actually can't. You are not framed that way. Because after reading the textbook, there are many things about building that car they can't write inside textbook. But the textbook will try. If you read the textbook, you can, from your mind, bring out all the diagrams, draw the schematics, draw everything. Nice, and it will be accurate. You can regurgitate it. That's called precepts. Right? Precept means the manual, the, the knowledge for something. But when it's time to build, that's not enough. You need the way of building. Every engine that has been constructed is because of people who have how to actually make the car that when you go and turn it and, and start it, it will move. So, so it means the commandment precept has its precept and has its ways. The ways is talking about skill of work. It's what they call wisdom. Wisdom. Do you see that? Right? It's called wisdom. Wisdom is there. When you, when, when you go to the place where they are dealing with actual material to produce the engine, you will not see too much textbook there. These guys, they've moved beyond textbook. They move beyond textbook. It's not... Praise God. I worked for BlackBerry when we were making all the BlackBerry phones. We, there's no textbook about anything <laughs> in there. Amen. Where I work right now, amen. We will, after building our, our job, that we, what, we, what we make, we can go and teach professors about it. In, they are in schools, in let's say you are doing telecommunications, you can have a course about tele mobile communications course or something like that. Amen. Amen. If I go to a mobile communications course now, I will listen to the prof. After listening to them, I will now begin to tell them these things that you actually said in actual sense. When you're actually doing it, it's exactly the way I know. Do you understand what I mean? Because at my work, I'm not reading textbook there. I read textbook how many years ago? I graduated in 2014. Do you get what I'm saying? But you're in a place of practitioners who started with precept, but now they're not dealing with precept anymore. They have, of course, you don't break the precept. If you break the precept, what you produce will not work because it won't be according to the commandment. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not, it won't be according to the, the precept. You, you, so moving into ways is not some kind of rascally, you know, we have be, moved beyond precept to no more, so you can do anything. You can't do anything, sir. <laughs> There's still specification. Do you see that? But it's just that it's the wisdom of how to, to convert what the precept is talking about into an actual workable thing that is running. An engine. Anybody who has ways has an engine in their soul that is working. There's something called the engine of Christ. 
Learning the Bible, a precept of Christ, does not produce the engine. You can know precept of Christ, but still, you're not moving. Ascension is not happening. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Your car is bad. Take it to an engineering graduate of bring a mech graduate, uh, civil, electrical, gather all of them. Or you know what? Your car is bad. Just take it to faculty or something. <laughs> that car will suffer, right? And they will approach it with Z. Yeah, okay, yeah, open it. Where is the... Before you know, they will scatter everything. It will be okay. Amen. But just drive it to one workshop where one guy that has never even speak good English is, is just in the corner. Amen. Just give it to him. In two hours, we'll call you, sir. Your car is ready. Do you get what I'm saying? That one is ways. That one he's dealt with the materials. He was dealing with. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Now, inside is ways. So sometimes, why learning ways? There's precept behind it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not every time that every single thing way you have came directly from precepts. Sometimes it's not. There are some men of God on the earth today who all your revelation, they never saw Bible the way you saw. But the ways in them. Don't be a fool and think you have big revelation. So, you know, it's like a University graduate going to boast to a mechanic, mechanic and say, well, you don't know anything about this car. In the textbook chapter, this verse, this, you're talking nonsense. Just say, you don't know anything. After all your cool textbook and all that, the car that's not working will be staring at you. You don't know what to do. But the guy who has never been to your school, he's not, he's not thinking. But when he's repairing the car, he's obeying all the laws in your textbook. But he didn't learn it by reading textbook. He learned it some other way. Yes, there are men like that. Someone like that, they are Deboe. Someone like that has had dealings with the Lord. When the Lord is dealing with him, dealings, he will be dealing with him according to the code of precepts. Precepts that you are learning as revelation now. But he didn't learn it like this. You get what I'm saying? But God can't deal with everybody in that way. Some of us, if God wants to bring the dealing they gave to him, to you, you want, you say, who are you evil spirit trying to torment my life? <laughs> That's why because of that, they have to make it into precept. And take it small by small by small by small. Praise God. <laughs> I think when we're flying from, we're going to Nigeria from, I think we were in, what airport were we in? Uh, Amsterdam, yeah, I was with some of the guys. So I was just looking at the planes and in the driveway, runway, and I was looking at them, the Lord just began to talk to me. The Lord opened up this thing about ways. And <laughs> ways, you know, all that he has been teaching and all of that. Something I'm saying to you, yeah, the Lord, you're going to show them to me. There are some things that you can, let me tell you something. There are some things you can write as manual hmm? and then tell somebody, go and make it. 
and they will make it. Let's see how to make a bicycle. You can draw the sketch, draw everything, and give to somebody. If you give them the right tools, they will read it, and they can make a bicycle. Why? It is simple enough. Do you see that? It is what? Simple enough. So, a lot of times, when it comes to more simpler things, right, it's easy. In fact, somebody who without precept or bicycle, it's easier to make something simple by just watching, right? Somebody's making a bicycle, you can watch how they did it easily, they can do it. you can do it. Maybe fixing something in a car, right? You watch how they do it, someone can do it. But, and that's what our Lord was teaching me about some of our fathers in the body of Christ, who do I know have gone through your school of precept, but they have ways that they have which the Lord is able to instruct them without precept. At some level. The Lord began to tell me there's a point where you can't you can never get beyond without precepts. Yes. The Lord was telling me that it's according to simplicity. So there will be a point the Lord can teach some things. When you say, I don't want to follow precept of Bible, learning by revelation, God will write some things in you. Like the apostles of with Jesus. Jesus wrote some simple things in them. By being with him, they could observe what they call the apostles' doctrine. Those are also ways. Do you see that? But there are ways that they are simple enough in a sense. Of course, not simple in terms of everybody can do it. But simple enough in terms of being with the master. When you watch the master, you can catch them without precepts, without revelation. And but what, the, what the Lord began to show me is that you see those, those planes sitting there, compared to a bicycle or whatever, those are different. He told me that nobody can build a plane without precepts. Nobody. Why? Because the thoughts you need to build it are too complex. You, have, you must have spent so much time on the precepts. Do you see that because of how complex the thing to make something fly like that, something massive as that to fly, the complexity involved, imagine the amount of learning and learning. You must learn by precept. If you just come raw, the way you go to an apprentice shop to play where they make plans, I just want to learn how to make plane from scratch. They will just say, we like you, but if you stay here for 20 years, it might be hard for you. Because you won't know some basics. They will just take you, okay, let's, let's take you, go to that school. They will teach you, first of all, what is flight? What is this? What is that? You will learn what are the formula, how do you calculate it? What are the things, materials? You have to learn the wisdom of materials. You must learn all those things. What materials have density? The density, all of those things, you must learn all those things. Glory to Jesus. Then when you are equipped with that knowledge, what will happen then if you come into that place? Then, they now, you now begin to watch the craft of making it. 
You know, as you are watching the craft, you now begin to recognize, ah, that's what we learned. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's why. Ah, but they will now say, from learning it, how to now do it, oh my God. Hey. That's why there is so much skill involved here. Yeah. Do, you, do you get what I'm trying to say? So to build complex things in the spirit, you need. You see, the apostles who were with Jesus, they had their limitation. After Jesus said, beyond this point, you can't bear them. I have things to say, but you can't. Wait till school opens. Do the little you can with what you have right now, but there will be a time we have to bring the school. When it was time for that school to come, he appeared to Saul of Tarsus and began to buy a revelation from the law and the prophet, began to teach him the precepts. Then taught him precept and he gave him grace. You know, he had the abundance of revelation. Right? But he also had this. He had revelation and he had measure. That's what makes an institution. Glory to God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So when, so precepts can teach of laws, but in doing the works of the commandment, that's where the, the power, right? That's where the power emerges, right? It's in, in doing the works, the works of the commandment. Amen. Have I described these things to you? You understand what I'm saying now? Glory. So let's go back quickly to that Ephesians 1. So, glory to God. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. Glory to you. Meshe Ferenasia. Empresto. Freyantamaya. Gelato. You know, God is different. <laughs> men build plane. And now, if think of how complex a plane is, men are building that. What about God's own workmanship, His workshop? God works on souls, right? And you see, a soul is more complicated than any machine, any device, anything. That plane came out from the soul of man, and it's so complex. How, is, how complex is it, the soul of a man? But you know, somehow in the world, we are so foolish, we would downplay the learning about the soul and want to go and learn plane instead. You forgot, what about the mind where this plane came from? Can we study that thing that can generate such a... You know, the soul is acts like God. It creates things. Yeah. Right? It yes, creates sir. things. It breathes lives into them. Yeah. It builds stuff. It's a creator. The soul is so vast. But you understand, like, your physical body can do work. Right? And you can have engineering, study of what the body is doing. But then... There's somebody called a doctor who studies the body to a level. You know, medical knowledge has not known everything about the body. There are some point where doctor, if doctor will say, ah, well, we try, we are not sure what's wrong. <laughs> you know what I now discovered? I now discovered a lot of medicine is trying and error, eh? It's just that it's not blind trying and error. It's just that they have, they know. If this is happening to you, if you check this, then we we'll check that, we we'll check that, then we we'll know, okay. It's, sometimes the diagnosis is not even the exact thing. They are not really sure. They keep checking. I will tell you that the science has 
Maybe it's possible medicine has, has learned 5% of everything about the human, not soul, or body. It's very possible. If, now, if the body is that complex, you want to go be a doctor, you go to study for six years after that, another six years or something crazy like that, take almost a decade and a half of your life, you understand what I mean? Of the outward man. And you tell me I should be coming to church and learn 30 minutes message and go away. No, don't. Don't. Uh, it's, so, it's so dull, that kind of thought. You, know? you, you get what I mean? Like, why? Amen. Why? No. I reject that notion. <laughs> As if maybe, maybe we are wasting time. Why should you just be talking? Why is the message not ending? Why is revelation upon revelation? Why don't you not ask your medical school professor? Since I've been here for four years now, when are we going to close this whole thing? And even when you are practicing, you have to keep up. Knowledge keeps, you know, updating your knowledge. You go to conferences, all kinds of things, yeah. Because the science is moving, you're discovering more things. How much more the discovery of the soul? If you've not said, why hasn't medical science finished? Why are you asking, why has revelation finished? Why are you trying to finish the revelation? <laughs> what they are trying to explain, do you know how complex it is? The soul. So, so let's all calm down, man. We're going to be learning for some time. We're going, to be, we're going to be in the school of the spirit, learning about who we are, learning about the soul, so that the Lord can save us. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Father. So God walks on the soul, right? That's where God's job is. Amen. So the, the, uh, there is something, what they're describing here as first love. That verse 4. Praise God. <laughs> it says that, nevertheless, I have, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast done what? Thou hast left thy first love. So when you think of first love here, there is something called the first love. Of man. The first love of man. Not according to what did he love first. No. It's according to the mind of his creator. When you bring a man fresh, brand new, what is the first love that should be in him? Are you seeing the meaning of this? That's all it means. So it's not first love in terms of you, efficient guys, I'm checking what was your first love. No. It's talking from a, from a perspective of divine intention. How do you pick? It's measuring them with the light of their star. Right? The light of their star is a pattern light, right, for them to know where they ought to grow towards. Do you see that? And in that pattern, so everything is speaking for them. Check the language of these things. It's comparison. I'm comparing you with something. You've done this, 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 but I have somewhat against thee. Still, 
What I have against thee is that thou hast left thy first love that was given to you. So that thing called first love is the first love, like I said, that should be in man. But you see that first love, man can leave it and go away, has lost it, and have many other loves. Now, you have people on the earth today who are born and have never ever had that first love. Do you agree with me? Why, why have they never had a first love? Because they've never found themselves in, a, in the situation where that love is committed. Because for them to commit, we have to understand this thing. For God, when God, God is, when he's saying first love, God is talking about the first portion of love. That is God speaking. Oh. God speaking. The first portion of love. But this portion of love is not is not talking about the love of Christ. Why? Because Christ is what you give the command what you command a man who has left his first place. Do you see that? That's what Christ is. In this man, you can't find him in the first place. The first place is the beginning. It's what you call beginning. He has left the first place, which is the place of the possession of, of love. It's a love he ought to carve at that first place. But he has, he's, he's not in that place. He's lost. He has he's lost, has gone away. He's far away from that first place. So he can't have the first love. So, and so you can't start giving him that. So where that man is, find a way to command him. You must give that man a commandment that should bring him back. Do you see that? So that commandment is, when you call, when you, in each zone, there's something about the Bible you must understand. Um, there are points of illumination where they speak relative language when they're trying to teach and compare Christ and God. When you, you see such movement of the Bible, you can smell it. That they are, For the purpose of teaching, they are giving distinction between Christ and God. They are explaining the step. Right? Divine power, divine nature. Second Peter, that's, that's one example. If, end of Ephesians 2. Right? The, the um, holy temple, habitation of God in the spirit. First Peter, lively stone, going on to a living stone. You, they are at those places. They may, but a lot of time in the Bible, they are not doing that kind of comparison. Rather, they move into a zone and speak in that zone. But when they are speaking in that zone, they speak in absolute. You think that's all they are talking about. For example, John can just go into the, the world of, of the divine. 
and just begin to talk about the divine. When you, you're wondering, oh, where is Christ in all this picture? You know, he's not talking about Christ. He has moved into another world. He's speaking in another world. In that world, there's a beginning and an ending. There's a, you get what I'm trying to say? We can be talking in absolutes, but in one world. Same thing in the realm of Christ. When you move into the realm of Christ, that same thing can occur as well. So you have to, you have to, that's why the Bible is not just reading like that. You have to, there's so much education, so much spiritual context. The context of a verse is not in trying to read the whole chapter. Okay, what is the context? No, no, no. The context of every verse is in the spirit. If you're not a student of the spirit, you, won't, you can't trace what things mean. As Jesus said, you have been studying the scripture since. You, are, you don't know anything. You, actually, you know not the scriptures. No, the power of God. The scripture is, is higher than your mind. Glory to Jesus. So we thank God for spiritual education. And that's why you must not look down on spiritual education. You must not, don't try to judge spiritual education the way you measure natural ones. Right? Because you are building in the spirit. You bring a scripture. Then the Holy Ghost will breathe on it. Turn the interpretation you will bring out interpretation from it, unlock it, that is spiritual. Then they will take that interpretation and put it in its place, in the spiritual place. Then tomorrow you come, you will bring another scripture. You know, say, this, this fresh scripture now, where is the context? If you go to look for context in Bible, you will miss everything. The context of that scripture is in what they have been laying in the spirit. Do you get what I'm saying? So you must, you must be able to see, allow the Holy Ghost to show the context in the spirit where they are. That's where you will now say, ah, the Bible makes so much sense. If you can't see spiritually, the Bible looks like a scattered book. When someone is speaking through, from spiritual context, you feel like, why are you misusing the Bible, scripture? Why are you quoting? That's not what that verse means. You know, this kind of, you are bringing another mind to it. But if you can see into the spirit, it's so clear. Wow. Everything just and it doesn't just align. It aligns miraculously. Such that nobody can see it and disagree. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not a matter of external proof. It's just that seeing how the scripture is being used as a tool to build spiritual understanding, that thing is a miracle. To me, that's the greatest miracle of my life. I don't need to see anything again. What may I have seen about the miracle of what they use scripture to build? I don't need any. It's not, you can't explain it. That kind of wisdom is it's raw spirit making. You know, if you're looking for the Holy Ghost manifesting, don't look, it's not about in spectacular things. Moving to all this realm. These are realms of impossibility. Stacking up understanding. Gathering them from ages, centuries. Bringing them together. Each of them finding their mate in the spirit to build a sound image. That's a miracle. That's, nobody can do that. There's nothing that has, <laughs> it's, it's a miracle. Glory, that's our present day. And God has said that these days of the, of the church in the last days might not be a time of giant signs and wonders the way we know it. It will be a, a it is, we are living in time of invisible miracles. For you to be able to see such miracles, you have to be able to calm down. Like you guys are calm now. And sit and be and observe. Beyond the natural. Check that. You now see that apart from the natural, it's another world of building. While natural life is going on, God is building in the spirit. Imagine what God has been building for a long time now. 
solid. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. So, so I said that. So, so in the realm of Christ, when you go into the realm of Christ, you see they can speak in absolute. For example, First Timothy. He said, the end of the commandment. <laughs> right? Chapter 1, verse 5. Now, when you, when you hear end of the commandment, ah, this is, this is what they want to say now is, this is the end of everything about God commanding man. No. No, at all. They're just talking of one commandment. It's just one. Right? The same attitude. We saw Paul has this attitude. Paul had the attitude of he can speak about Christ almost in this kind of term. You think you've said everything, but it's not. Because he's speaking out of his apostleship concerning Christ. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's the same attitude that we saw in Romans chapter 12, right? Where he just picked five of them. Do you see what I'm saying? He didn't talk about the other ones. And when you, really, you feel as if he's talking about this is all that matters. You go and check how he wrote that place. It's the same attitude here. So it's clear that what Paul is coming, the commandment here is one of the two. He calls it the command in singular term, like Jesus also did. He called the first one a singular thing. He's called it the first and the great. He didn't call it is the greater. It's language. That's the way they do it. They speak in that way. It's the first. It's the great commandment. They now say, and then the second is like unto it. So it's clear that Paul is speaking about this second in First Timothy chapter one. Praise God when he said at the end of the commandment. So that's clear that that commandment is the second one, which is the commandment of Christ. At the end of that one is charity. Charity is a type of love. Right? The end of the commandment is charity. It, it flows out of a pure, out of a pure engine. It's a, it's a, it's a, something is generating it. The way an engine generates power. That's how this one is generating. Char charity is a power in the spirit. Right? It's called the power of God. Charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience, and what? And of faith on faith. Glory to God. So, you see, this law, you now see that this commandment, the end is charity, is a love. But it's not the first love. So you now see, when you move into God's own world, and they begin to talk about his own order of commandment, he will not tell you there's a first point to when they're talking about the first in God, they're not talking about this one. They don't even talk about this charity. This is, they feel that this zone, we finished that course. This is talking about another world of things. That this whole world of things is called, it has a beginning. It has what? A beginning. It's a beginning. So if you want to know, what is really, really, really beginning? The real meaning of beginning is where God began or where God begins. I don't care how holy you are. You are born again 100 years. You might not have gotten close to where God starts from. 
If you feel so, you are underestimating what it meant to fall. You don't know where we fell to. You don't know how far. We don't know all the nature, our things we have. It, it, so we should God come and start from there? No. <laughs> you want to know what, where God starts from, what did it look like? Think Eden. Eden is God's starting point. If you look around your soul, you're not looking like Eden environment. Just know that you have not. Right? <laughs> So, the first thing they must find you, bring you back. All right. When they when they are talking of, uh, do you see what I'm saying, sir? They must bring you and then situate you into to where God starts from. Is is your soul or they are bringing you? Right. Is your soul they are they are they are bringing it? Oh yeah, come, 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 come. Drop that one. No, no, that one. See, God cannot come with this aspect still like this. The question is, do you want to start with God or do you want God to start with you? Right, that's it. The preparation. So, God is not... God is... Everything you smell about God is like that. In terms of how separate he is. You know what I'm trying to say? When we became born again, and we started, after we spent some time in the church, this, the church tried to delete that thing. To make God seem like your friend. It's not that far. No, it's a lie. That initial feeling, that, that thing that you have. You get what I'm saying? You know, initially, you just feel like God, God, God. Hey, God is there. Yes, he's there. You get what I'm trying to say? To make Christianity nice, we try to bring him as if he lives in your room. No, it's not in your place. In other words, you have to, there has to be a kind of what? A work must be done in you. A work must be done in you to bear a fruit of readiness to begin. That fruit is called charity. Charity is what opened up the realm of the first. Charity actually is talking about the law that you must come with to be ushered into the beginning. Do you see that? It's a law, praise God. It's almost like charity is like, is what they that do wait upon the Lord have. Their, their engine has taken them up to the top of the mountain where they are at peace with God. Now, beginning point. Mountain top is a beginning point. The top of Zion is the beginning, but the next school is flight taking. Flight taking in the spirit. You're just, it's like when a, an eagle perches on the tip of the mountain. That's their starting point. When you get there, you are sweating. Like those who climb Mount Everest. They take picture. They do everything. That this is the end of some of them. That's the end of everything. Accomplishment of life. Imagine someone just finally. Some of them, they go through hazards. Almost die. A lot of people die trying to climb that mountain. Right? And then imagine someone finally getting there. Oh... Settling, and you just see one ego just perch. <laughs> and you, you know that that ego this is your beginning point. That maybe that ego has never fully come below that point before. 
That's where, they, when you track there, that's where they always start from. To go. Are you getting me? There is a life like that too. Don't feel like it's all about your little challenges to your spirituality. After they've dealt with the challenges to your spirituality, you now start with God. You now realize that God is who? 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 He's who the Bible makes him out to be. Praise Jesus. You now discover that all your life you are trying to be holy, but there is a life in holiness. You get what I'm trying to say? Right? This is you're trying to be, then the way you become spiritual, you now discover that that spirituality is an admission into a world, a realm of spirits. Right? A spirit is a wing being. Right? Who has overcome gravity not by an external help, but an inward law. An inward law. An inward law. Are you seeing that? So it's clear that the school of God's life or the school of God's works, let's call it that, the school of God's works is how to put inside you the antidote to the downward pull. I mean in you, not that you are standing on something inside of you. So when it's now in you, you can take flight without coming down. Right? Because you've, you mount up with wings. It doesn't say you will be an eagle. It's just using an analogy, simile, as eagles. The way eagles do it, that's how your soul will begin to do it. They now see. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. Glory to Jesus. So in that state, you have... See, not being weary and not fainting is part of the image. See, walking and running are the mountain course. But it's then that... Because the, that will lead to waiting. When you have waited, you now have all that ability on the inside. You have the ability of walking. Like a, a plane walks, runs and mounts up. Right? A plane starts by walking backwards sometimes from the gate. It's walking. Uh, that taxi in, back, coming out. Like it's, it starts walking. Then when it, some, it, it walks from the gate to the runway. From the gate to the runway is a stage of walking. Then when it gets to the runway, it's no longer walking. The runway is for running. Then it runs, so think of that runway as like if it's a mountain. There are planes like that. Fighter jets, they don't just take off, they elevate their, you know, some of what I mean. They, they run up the elevated position. When they're getting to the tip of, because many of those planes, they, they sit on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the sea. They run to, when they get into the peak of that elevation, they do what? Laws will change. Because they have those laws in them, stacked up. So when you are divine, if it's time to walk, you walk. If it's time to run, you run. If you now say, it's not running time, it's time to fly, what happens? It means that what catches bird, what catches 
who keeps things down, sorry, will not be able to hold you. But, but when you move up, you now discover that they are now other entities in the what? In the heights. You now discover that, that you have a, an entity who is also a flying being, too. A dragon. Praise God. But the summary of what I'm, I'm showing you. <laughs> I just fulfill what I said. I'm, I'm making the Bible seem as if it's end there. I'm so sorry. There's an end, though. Daddy has told us the end. What's the end? Disappearance. Uh, am I lying? It's invisible, invisible now. Eternal, immortal, invisible. That was Addis' message. Right? So God's, so you see why God can, can an invisible thing, gravity doesn't even see an invisible thing. It's, you get what I'm trying to say? So telling you where God is by himself. God is, uh, Amen. <laughs> I, and imagine God saying he wants you to come here. Amen. What kind of a beautiful thing is that? Wow. Awesome thing. Where God is taking, wants your soul to come. I want you to have a kind of mind or, you know, can you be an ambitious person? Not the, the type that, that devours our soul. I mean, can you change your ambition into this type of ambition. You know, an ambition person, even when there's no evidence of that thing, they can see visions. You need the ability to see visions. That's one of the reasons for the spirit which you have. But some, you know, the way we sometimes we can have the spirit, but we're not using the spirit because when your attention is focused on the corruptible, you get what I'm saying? You'll be breaking flow. Sometimes to create vision for you, the Holy Ghost should be able to suspend you in the spirit for some time. Maybe if you can stay three, four days in the spirit, you never left the spirit. When you are getting to the four, sometimes visions can be complex. For example, to see yourself in the eternal. I mean, not in terms of going there, I mean, in terms of seeing what a soul, right? to building from the precept of that thing that I've been taught to you, to begin to have visions of your soul in that state. You know, that's the craft of the Spirit. It takes some craft of the Holy Ghost to build such a vision in you. But those are the kind of vision you should begin to see because that's the prophecy of the last days. When you pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, what will happen? The young men will begin to see. What, what vision of what are they seeing? They are visions of glory. You should begin to see visions of glory. Visions of all oh, the glory, the glory which your soul will ascend into. You should be seeing glorious versions of you. Because you have been given the precept. When you are reading a textbook, you read and read and read and read and read. When it's an engineering textbook, they will describe the formula, everything. Then you flip a page, you now see a picture 
of what the things which they've been describing is just to, is to create a vision in your heart. The spirit is also like that. Even while you're learning precept of eternal life, everlasting life, the Holy Ghost can quicken the vision of that. And it's important. These are the days of seeing vision. If you have congregation where members see vision, preaching is easy. If you're not seeing vision, to describe some things will be, ah, you have to labor, explain everything down to detail. You, when you go up, you have to come now, resolve a little bit so that you won't be suspended. You know, a preacher can be suspended somewhere. You're just talking your own thing. Everybody is looking at, oh, they're fighting sleep with all their might and power. You know what I mean? You know, instead of power to get the message, you can use power to fight sleep. Sometimes, <laughs> praise God. But when you are a, a seer, you know when you are preaching to seers, hey, every, every landing of revelation is triggering a vision. Hey, you're seeing what visions of the soul. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Message becomes a bit easier. Glory to God. In such environment, you can communicate complex things because every thought, the soul is so skilled that the soul can take a thought, spiritual thought, and create the, the Holy Ghost can create the image because the Holy Ghost has washed the soul from vain things and brought the, the energy, the energies of the soul is together. You can conceptualize spiritual, you can take spiritual flight through words, move into a zone in the spirit, you show you your future, you see your future, you have a glimpse of it, you give birth to a hope on the inside of you. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Oh, we honor you. We bless you. Glory, Maria, Zopra, Olma, Lovena, Lavanas, Otaya, Amen. Omen, Ostiverenais, Merenamosoya, Emicona, Emicoria, Emicrenos, Eremanos, Elelei, Malanamasoto, Leverahana. Oh, Nafana, ever Nakona, ever Nakana, ever Gano, ever Gana Makama, Kama, can I, can I, can I, Kiano, Messon? Oh, worship you. Worship. Oh, thank you, Father. Make it all stay. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Fill our soul with glory. Make us compatible with your glory. Frame us for your glory. Help us, Father. Put your, let the call to your glory, call to your life, Lord, to your salvation. Let it register, Lord, and be strong. Strong pool, strong call. Upon our soul. Thank you, our Father. Give glory. Lord, take your word and bless it in our hearts. Bring the reality of these things to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. The Lord wants me to tell you guys something about sowing into the Spirit not sowing your affections, showing your, sowing your affection, sowing your time.
so in your mind, so in yourself. If I can beg you, I, can, I feel like lying down. I feel like some of these things we preach them, but we just go home. Please, 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 beg you. I beg you. I beg you. Stop wasting your time on sow your affections, sow your things into the spirit, sow your time into the spirit. These things, fellowship, this kind of message, you go home, listen to it, you let the Holy Spirit, you know, let have your own experience. That's what I want to say. Have your own experience. Maybe it's not this one you like. If it's daddy's messages or you have ministers, you have ministries in Lagos around the world in this part where at least you can't tell me that there's no one that really blesses you, that when you listen to it, something happens to you. You get what I'm saying? Find it. Sow into the spirit. I'm talking about learn how to engage your heart. Do it until, until you have a natural response towards spiritual things. I don't, I don't like to, I don't want to smell death around. Death, I mean coldness to the things of the spirit. I smell it too much. I know it's the climate of where we are staying, where we are living. But we have to fight against that thing. Everybody must fight. Me, I fight my own. Everybody, you must fight. You must fight relaxing in this natural world. There are things that will make you relax. Just before you know your time has gone, hours have gone, doing things. Be, let's be a generation that will fight the our the evil. I know you might say the evil and destruction of our own day are more than what our fathers had. Many of them, they didn't have phones with them constantly, 24-7. They didn't have to face that, but they had their own. But you can't, when we stand before God, God won't judge you based on another generation. God will tell you that even though you have those distractions, he will say, I invested in you much more. The investment of the spirit, the investment of the world the Lord is giving to us, we don't have an excuse. You understand what I'm saying? I want, I want, you say if you sow to the spirit, you will have the spirit reap, reap life. Life is tangible. Life is palpable, even in the natural. You can understand what I mean? When you are alive to spiritual things, when you sow into the spirit, amen, you are able to respond to spiritual stimuli more than you do to, to, to natural things. Amen. Please, everyone, just for the Lord, wanted me to say this to you. Because if without this aspect, a lot of things we say will just be talk. You have to give the Holy Ghost chance to create a deep experience in your heart. Some of the things that we are saying, that it begins to be a reality. God bless you. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen.